hey there, everyone. Welcome to the Living the Grace Life podcast, episode number 26. I'm your host, Jim Hobbs, and I am joined once again by the senior pastor of Grace Life Church in downtown Sarasota, Joe Davis. Joe, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good, you know. People it was cold. It was 47 degrees here. And so, yeah, did you, you know, wear I, like mittens I, and, you know? When I woke up this morning, um, <laughs> you know, usually I set the air conditioner to 73. Uh, that's kind of hot. No, 73? Oh, I got it like at night. Well, I was 68 Florida, so. or so. Oh, is that? But, you know, I woke up, the air conditioner was set at 73. The temperature inside the house was 69. Ooh, that doesn't happen too often. No. Ah, did you like it? I think you need that. You know. You slept I, all night? I'm night. ready for July. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready for you July. You do like the hot Florida temperatures. Also in studio, Jump Dog Audio Productions master extraordinaire, Wayne Delaire. Wayne, do you like the summers? Or the winters. The winters. I don't, I like cool weather. I don't like the hot weather. Too hot, right? You get too the storms, hot. too hot. You like guys are already picking the bumper music. You can't do that. <laughs> you can't. That's <laughs> not go. our process. Wait, I think we already did you that. You just gave song. it away. Did, we did that one already. Didn't I we? think we did. I think we did. Oh, great. <laughs> Does somebody have a list of the bumper music? We might have a repeat and we don't know it. Uh oh. Uh. We'll have to go back and listen. Well, our listeners will tell us because we know you are following along in Joe's book, The Grace Life, What Philippians Teaches Us About Loving One Another Relentlessly. We are talking in Chapter 8 about supernatural perseverance. And in case you missed the last episode, you can just go back, click on one of our podcast episodes. That was Episode 25. We talked a lot about what it feels like to have this supernatural perseverance that is both within us and compels us to do things that we wouldn't normally do for ourselves, and to look to the future for hope and to faith for when things will be better than they are now, even though I was a little, I don't know if I was skeptical, I just wasn't ready to kind of say that, okay, male, you know, it's going to be better. You need to let go, Jim. <laughs> How do I, that's like Frozen 2 you're talking <laughs> I need oh, to let it go. Oh, no. Maybe that could be the bumper music. So we've got not on my podcast. It won't. What's wrong? Wait a minute. You're talking last episode. No. The little kid. No. I want a scooter, and I, I can't talk about. It. And then I take the dog to the groomer. You can't talk Frozen. We are not going to play Frozen mu- unless somehow I am let overruled. Oh Don't. gosh. Oh. <laughs> well. We're going to find out exactly what that music is that you've selected, Joe, right now on the Living the Grace Life podcast. Let it go, let it go. I'm so disappointed anymore. in both of you. I don't care what you're <laughs> I'm not going gonna, to say. I'm not going to participate in the first segment of the podcast. <laughs> 
Oh, come on now. You, did you see it. Frozen, the original Frozen <clears throat> 1? Or, or? No. I did not <laughs> see Frozen, and I'm not going to see Frozen. I don't care to see Frozen. The cold didn't bother you anyway? Is that what you're saying? Oh, this is just ridiculous. Can we just talk about <laughs> Jesus instead? This is, just, this is just horrible. Frozen 1 and 2, well, yes, let's talk about it. Maybe that's what you have here as you're enduring through this episode, Joe. Supernatural perseverance. We are, if you're following along at home right now, talking in chapter eight on page 110 on our last podcast, we wrapped up talking about hope and what it is that we are putting our faith in and how it is that we receive this faith, not something that we decide on our own, but something that is a gift, as you said, and have said many times, from God. So you say here on page 110, as we prepare to do the devotional and the questions, you say... This world offers the believer trials, illnesses, disease, hurt, heartache, and betrayal. As we endure through these difficult, often temporary struggles, we can have confidence that our faith will make us glorious. We yearn and long for that time. What do you mean our faith will make us glorious? Does that mean something to look forward to? Does that mean, because you're saying we want to yearn for this sort of period of time that the moment comes where we finally know through our earthly lives are over that our faith will make us glorious. Is that waiting for the end or is that where, because then again, I'm like, I don't want to feel glorious now. See, it just, yeah, it doesn't always have to be this, this ultimatum type of uh, analysis of these concepts. Right. Our faith is making us glorious. Mm. For those okay. who called, he also glorified. Right. And so I, it's not just about what our eternal state will be. It is also about what our current trajectory is. Like, for example, last episode, you were talking about how much you are going to enjoy recovery ministry, how excited yes. you are about it. How I want to do it yesterday. Your yeah. faith. See, that doesn't happen without faith. Your yes. faith is making you glorious. Not just in the future, but right now, your faith is molding you through the work of the Spirit to be more like Christ, and your desires have changed. You talked about also in the last episode, I feel bad about praying for specific things. Uh I think saying, God, man, please give me an effective recovery ministry. That's a pretty darn good prayer request right there. And so for me, maybe it's it's about our faith making us glorious, not just in the future, but in now, and the trajectory toward glory. See, I think I don't know what's best for me most of the time. So if that is what's best for me, then okay. I think he's going to do it. Like, I feel like I'm not going to derail his plans. His plans are great for me. But I just feel like, and maybe it's me, but this emphasis, for instance, Billy Graham or the even the big evangelical movements that have focused on personal salvation, to me, I think, missed the mark about what we've talked about, which is the eternal life that is happening, this half here and half later, one foot in or one foot out, and the lack of thought about community, which we've harped on episode after episode, if the journey is about, and this is probably a beef of mine, if the journey is about personal salvation, I just think that is a message that doesn't really resonate. The journey isn't about personal me, salvation. Right. But doesn't the, those ki- that, that kind of talk, it feels like then, because like Psalm 23, when it talks about he restores my soul, 
He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Mm -hmm. Like I read that and I get excited because I'm like doing this for him. Mm -hmm. I don't want the skin in the game. Maybe that's why I don't pray for specific. Like I don't want skin in the game. You just I give me. I'll I'll do it. Like I'm in. I'm excited. I get all of the blowback of the amazing. I'm a witness. I get to see what Christ is doing. But I don't want to. The whole now I'm saved or all that. Like I don't. I don't know. I don't. Well, there's two things. First of all. Here's what people don't those big those big salvation movements like Billy Graham. I like Billy Graham, so yeah, or, don't you know, get me. <laughs> um, Billy Sunday. I went to the Crusades. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about Augustine and Calvin and Luther, all those guys. Those are great, but even as great as those movements were, the way God used those men, they are a fraction of what God has been doing in the kingdom through people's hearts. They are a tiny fraction of all those that God has saved. I would say the the vast overwhelming majority of people the way that God has saved most people is not in those big arenas. arenas. It's in personal relationships. Now, with that being said, for you, I would say that 10 years ago, you did not have a desire to have a recovery ministry. I'm guessing. No. Okay, so here's an example. I wanted to drink. Here's an example, right? (laughs) Right. And we're not talking about the big bottle of water. I mean, I drink that. No, I wouldn't drink that. Here's here's the the thing. This is your faith (laughs) making... This is your faith making it glorious. You're living it out. Right. You're enjoying the benefits of it right now. You're doing something that you're enjoying that is also about him. Mm-hmm. And it's about the kingdom. Right. And he has given you the desire to do it. Yeah. He, and it, I feel like that's the, the funnest part of all, that I get to participate in what it is that he, I feel, has laid out before Correct. the beginning of time. And there I am. Now I'm walking into it. I don't know if I believe that I could have missed this journey or not, but I do believe that because of the way that he rescues and he reconciles and he redeems that I am now taking everything in my life that was broken and I'm using, so I'm talking with my wife. So my wife, Marta, is going to get her degree, her MA. Mm. So I'll get my Master of Divinity. She'll get her Master of Arts in counseling for mental health and wellness Mm. from, it looks like NYU now or whatever. Now we have a pair. We're a pairing we work together as a team for our company. We are excited. I can't do this ministry in a way the way I've designed it without her. She can't do it without me. You got a medical counselor. You got a uh, pastor. Like pastor It's like, shepherding. oh, my gosh. And she, what makes her really strong is the trauma treatment that she went through, not just with childhood immigration and, and childhood issues, but living with an alcoholic, me, for 20-plus years. I've got the addictive side. I've got the recovery side. I've got the pastoral. Like, the whole thing is all teed up by, in my opinion, God, to take all those broken elements, put them in the pot. That becomes your strength. And through that, you then get to serve what he does. That's where I feel the supernatural power, and that's where I get frustrated with hope because, like, I'm like— I don't want to pray for that. He's already given it to me. I'm just like along for the ride. And I feel like that I don't know what's going on. So I just need to just go. I don't want to jinx it. Maybe. I yeah. So, I yeah, that's a real understanding of grace there. If I don't perform well enough, I'm going to. Well, so not even perform. I wrote this, I'm like, I don't want to say anything. I wrote this right here. It's, yeah, I wrote this. I just want to read this part of it. Right. Okay. So what page um, or do I know? I, I don't I'll know. Tell what, you it's right at, right at the beginning of the devotional section. 111. Yeah. Okay. 
Supernatural perseverance is a crucial part of the grace life. However, there are trials that can serve to derail and discourage us from the grace life and hinder our perseverance. In fact, the lowest time in my life, which I shared with you earlier in this book, was also the greatest, most powerful spiritual experience because I was able to actually live out supernatural perseverance that made no Mm. earthly sense. Mm. And so I think you just talked about what your wife had been through, the trauma, what you've been through with your alcoholism. You talk about all these things and how God has put it all together. Uh You, those things that you went through have enhanced your endurance. And this is the part about our faith glorifying us. It's just, it's an amazing thing, right? It's just, it's just an amazing, fascinating way that God works. I'm just saying, yeah. I, the worst job in the universe is the devil because he puts these things in our life to destroy us. And every time he does, he tries to apply it, he applies it to a, a person who's not a child of God. Oh, that works like a charm. He applies it to somebody who God has his hand on and God has saved. He loses every time. Like, Man, I really thought that alcoholism had Jim, and all it did, it made him worse for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, see, this, right. this, this right. is the I essence. Yeah. This is the essence of supernatural endurance. This is the devotional application of it. All these things we've done in our life that we've experienced, some with our own bad decisions, some of the experiences uh-huh. of others, like, you know, yours were your own decisions. With Marta, it was people, other people's actions. A lot of but, it, yep. But yep. in the end, what's so great about it is, when when God decides to, by his sovereign grace, inject the gift of faith into all of it, he just takes it all and glorifies it and turns us into something that other people just look at and say, I, I want I want that. I want that stability. I want that endurance. I want that power. Yeah, and they can't they almost can't name it. That's the that's the amazing thing. And that's what's amazing in her journey is that she kind of <clears throat> breaks down, uh, can't handle this living with an addict, and and it was she was she her parents were around. It was this this moment where she thought she was having a heart attack. It was a panic attack. And so, what is the first thing that then really happens in terms of milestones in her life? She gives her life to Christ, not even knowing she needs to, not even intending to do it, not even thinking that that's on radar. That happens about five months later at the American Church in Paris. The, the craziest, like, Christ began her journey to when she broke, and the first milestone that happens is she give has to give her life to Christ first, not you know, even understanding that 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 cornerstone has to exist before anything else has to happen. You know what we call that in the industry? We call that irresistible grace. Huh. Really? Really? That's, that's a good term. Yeah. Irresistible grace. Wow. That, I mean, she had it to happen to her and who knew that was now five years ago in October. And to think that the journey, like now it all makes sense, <laughs> right? In the rearview mirror. So is that maybe what you mean? Maybe to tie up here, supernatural perseverance, is that kind of what you mean? Because at the end of the day, she really has endured and persevered. And I would say 2019 for her was the greatest healing that has occurred in her entire life when it came to the trauma counseling that she got and the wellness training that she got and the holy yoga retreat that she went on. Oh, The most the important calling. thing being the calling. What now? What? Yes. So now she feels she read, read just read this paper that Jim, I wrote, and she we talk like she's like, oh, that, I see it. That is your faith 
glorifying you. That is her faith glorifying her. It's back to what we talked about at the beginning of this episode. This is what I was talking about. It's not just some future thing. It's what's happening right here now. I'll tell you when you really get good, when you can really tell that your maturity in Christ is growing, mm-hmm. is when you're going through a hard time, even when you're hurting, even when you're resenting it, even when you're angry about it, something in the back of your head says, but I can also see how this is glorifying me. I don't want to admit it, but I can see how this is actually a really good thing for me to go through. That is the ultimate display of surrender. And it is the catalyst for this supernatural endurance when we're, that we're talking about, because you see, you're starting to see how things in your life fall into place, even though they don't seem to make sense. But can't you only do that after the fact? Like you mentioned here, when what you just read, page 111, the worst, lowest time in your life talking about no, not no daughter. No, not just after the fact. You felt that during that At time, the moment, for that, me. That... There was, you you could see, I, I'm just asking, you could see it was devastating. the devastation it was, that there was a plan. It was devastating. It was crushing. It was sad. It was painful. But as it was happening, I knew my ministry is never going to be the same. It's, it's going to be different. It's going to be better. I'm at, my wife and I are hurting our son, Ben. We're going through this hard time. But here's what I know. We are going to be so much more effective. We are we have been given a, a level of street cred that many people don't have. And what began to happen is my stance on truth became more authoritative, not because I was so smart, just because I had a better sense of what it meant to have my faith glorifying me, even what would seem to be the worst defeat possible. You just said there, Joe. Really, um, I mean, it makes me um, it makes me think a new way about what it means to persevere and to have faith. Because you say on page one twelve, this is probably what you're getting at. Have confidence in this. I may let you down, but God, in whom our faith resides, will not. In theology class, this is truth. It is tied to the concept called perseverance of the saints. Now, what is that? Okay, so remember I just told you about we call it in theology irresistible grace. Yeah. So and there, what exactly? There, there <laughs> I'm are still five. There are five that. terms. Okay. Total depravity. Oh, oh we get yeah, that, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. Unconditional election. We don't yes. have to earn God's We're choosing us. Reformed. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Right. Okay. Limited atonement. God's work never fails. It always accomplishes everything it's supposed to. And that includes all redemptive work he does for his children. It never goes wasted. Mm-hmm. Okay. Irresistible grace. We talked about that with your with your wife's story. Yeah. And then perseverance of the saints. This is the supernatural endurance. There is nothing the enemy or this world or even you yourself can do to undo the supernatural gift of faith. Jesus says, all that the Father has given to me will come to me, and no one can pluck them out of my hand. 
My sheep know me and they hear my voice yeah. and they follow. This is where we get the comfort to live the grace life. When we, yeah. when those last two are the fun ones. Total depravity, that's not fun. Unconditional election, people fight and argue about that one. And then the limited atonement one, people think you're nuts if you believe that because they don't understand what it really means. Uh-huh. But man, irresistible grace, I don't know if I agree, but that one's pretty good. That's, people good. start, right? <laughs> right? Then perseverance of the saints, all that. Count me in on that one. I don't want the, I don't want the non-perseverance of the saints, you know? Yeah, you need but, it. I mean, but, it, yeah. But perseverance of the saints is a concept that is founded upon the other four and they all work together in this in this systematic explanation of how God saves us and it it never ends without perseverance huh. it never ends without perseverance it doesn't mean it doesn't have failure mixed in yes yes where we fall on our face and yeah. we struggle right but we never we have to become persevere. disconnected right. yes right and the idea of like how you said Comfort. That was a big one because to me, and if we're talking sheep and shepherd, again, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I just, I think of that one a lot because I have wants that I sometimes feel, need, whatever I think, that are bumping up, it feels like, against what it is that this perseverance of the saints is calling me towards. And and, and there's this sort of, when I feel the comfort of lying by the still waters or really just having my soul restored lying in green pastures. I mean, like I picture those and I'm like, I I could not get more comfort than, than that. Like that to me feels like the way what you're saying. And then the song of the, the, the sheep, you know, the, the 99 to go after the one, like, it feels to me like, there's a dual perseverance going on. The saints are persevering that gives us the ability to persevere. And then just all the days of my life have got to then be glorified in that sense. I guess that's what you're saying that where this plane kind of lands, because you say the reality that God empowers those he has called to follow him until the end is both supernatural and unbelievably inspirational as you watch it play out among your brothers and sisters who are living the grace life with you, and I would say as you watch it in front of your own eyes, like you just, you got to be shocked, which I, makes the witnessing part to me, the most witness and testify to me are like, that's where the game's played. I just love this part about watching it play out amongst your brothers and sisters who are living the grace life with yeah, you. Yeah, right? I don't, have much, I don't have much more to say about it than that. I just love that concept. I love it too. Well, the questions in the workbook here, chapter 8, page 114 is where those start. And you wrote here the first question, have you ever experienced a relationship of mutual encouragement and perseverance such as the one Paul and the Philippians had? How did it inspire you to press forward in times of difficulty? Hmm. Now, have you, or do you have anything Well, on well that of one? course what I do. But this, this, so I'm... I'm actually speaking at a conference the first week in January in South Carolina for some, oh, nice. for some high school students. Okay. And I'm doing three messages. And, and one of them, the first one is confession. The second one is vulnerability. And then the third one is accountability. Great. This question deals with the second of those three about the vulnerability. When mm-hmm. you have relationships in your life that are vulnerable and you experience somebody else's hardship and struggle Mm -hmm. and you see how god's hand 
helps them supernaturally persevere. Right. Think about how motivated Paul was to continue on, even in prison, knowing what God had done to the Philippians. He says, I, I count it joy every time I think about you. Right. You know, I'm incredibly encouraged by your faith from the first day till now. Mm. Paul is describing what I'm talking about. So for Paul, if the Paul were answering this question, he goes, yeah, I've got an answer. It's those people in Philippi. I can't get enough of them. Yeah, he's just like, that's what's on his mind. Totally. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what gives him purpose. I guess that's how I feel about What's funny, you just said that because in a way, like I have a coach uh, at IMG, a tennis guy who's given me lessons, a great, amazing guy. James is his name. And anyway, we've gotten to know each other. And so we are always, you know, laughing this and that, you know, just having a good time out there playing. But we, we, I can, we, we've talked about personal things at the same time. And it's just not something people do that often, being vulnerable, like right. you're saying, and authentic. And so he, he gave me a Christmas card uh, yesterday, and it said, thank you for reminding me why it is that I coach. Hmm. He's like, the way that you're receptive to my advice and the way that your energy and your positivity, that... I've forgotten that that's why it was that I got into coaching. I was like, oh, my gosh, I had no – like, you have no idea the impact as we're just walking around going – we're impacting people all this over is, the place. And this is why it's so devastating when Christians begin to isolate themselves because huh. they, they are not just hurting themselves. They are devastating others around them that will never experience the, the benefits of what God is doing in your life. That's so true because I'm doing step nine now, the 12 steps. This is where you have to go and uh, make amends to people. So you have to kind of apologize. And I didn't know what to apologize for because a lot of times I was like, well, I didn't do anything. I have a list for you. But wait, okay. You got to add to <laughs> Luckily with computers now, I can get it you know, super long. But the idea that what I'm learning is my isolation caused a lot of mm. distress. Good, good point. But I didn't know, but now I'm starting to see it. And my, that I might walk into a room partially intoxicated, even though I would say I didn't do anything. I didn't do anything. I didn't fall down. I didn't, you know, hit someone like you, you, we talked right. about. Like, I didn't do anything, but I did. I caused fear mm-hmm. because of my unpredictability or because they didn't know who that person was. I didn't understand any of that. So when you're like, all of that was isolating. And so you would say then that isolation in and of itself could actually be one of the biggest detractors to, I guess it it is because it forces us out of community. Yeah. Let's just be real. Isolation is one of the most selfish things you can do if you're a Christian. Sometimes what we'll try to do is we'll try to hide it in. Well, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to contemplate. No, you're not. You're trying to serve yourself because you don't want to be around other people. So isolation, I'm not saying there aren't times where you need to be alone with God. I just want to make sure we're here saying, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about with yeah. people who, yeah, who, yeah. who develop the habit of, you know what? It's easier for me to isolate. You're hurting people. Right. But for me being- as an addiction though, like I was I making a choice becomes the question. So well, in my case, addiction, physical. I can't really, like the only place I can get to where I feel semi-comfortable is by myself in a pub. I'm just, let's just say. Right. So that's my comfort zone. 
so addiction's been, you can argue, either given to me uh, genetically, which you can make a case for, or uh, over contextually Or a combination of both. Exactly. So wouldn't it be the same for someone who has, like my mom with depression? She will, she will isolate, always has isolated. I mean, there's sure. a reason I have my coping skills. So, you know, anxiety, she will go into a room. That's the only place that she feels safe. She has guilt and shame that she does that, but it's it's her coping mechanism because of the depression that yeah, she just, has. Like, like is that a choice? I see. Or I not? Think, I think isolation isn't just physical. Oh, I agree. Right, isolation can be like you could be around people, but when you're drinking, you've isolated yourself. I'm not fully there. You, right? Well, you're because because you're not serving. You no, know, I'm and thinking so, about when I can get out of here. Right. And so, so isolation <laughs> is not just not talking to people. Uh, it, it's, it's, uh, it's just enveloping yourself in your own personal desires in a way that doesn't allow you to see others or feel others or help others. So there's isolation comes in many forms and that's one of them. Yeah. I just feel like for some people, I'm not, the hold on them is so strong. Yeah. It's not easy. I, I, I want to, like let me just not restate a will, that. It's not a will thing. I don't, don't want right? to be so, yeah, I should probably moderate my comments just a little bit. I understand that 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 is a self-defense mechanism for many people. You talk about people who struggle with depression and anxiety. So I get right. that. And so I don't want to be I don't want to be too judgmental or or lack compassion. Uh there there are real issues that cause people to isolate for There's sure. So much mental But we have to recognize there, yeah. even while we are struggling with the addiction of isolation, which if I, if I may say it that way, yeah. Even while we're like struggling that. with that, we have to also recognize as children of God whom God has saved, our faith is glorifying us and our people need us. Yeah. I, you say here, uh, the action to take here to wrap up uh, page 115, chapter 8, you say, take a few mon- moments to consider what qualities in your life inspire those around you. Choose a few trusted Christian friends. Ask them for a character assessment. The result may surprise or even dismay you, but God can use all of it. Ask him to show you how you can be a blessing to others. Yeah, you say, I mean, when you say right here, inspire those around you, obviously that implies that you have to be around some people to inspire. And what you say here, this choose a few friends, uh, you know, like that we had learned what this idea of a clearness committee or something where a character assessment, like you're, you're struggling with something like I've never, someone told me, yeah, maybe it'd be a good idea if you have a spiritual director. And I was like, I have no clue what that is. Because I have never let anyone breathe into my life intentionally. They just haven't. Maybe one person from from Mm. back in the days of addiction. Because as an entrepreneur, I'm going to do it my way. You don't understand. La, 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 la. You run that whole game. So in the end here, you're saying that not only... By you being around people, you'll inspire them, probably by being vulnerable and weak, but also your trusted friends. Ask them for a character so assessment. Like, what this, does that mean? This encompasses, this encompasses the three most important ingredients of the grace life all in one action. It's a vulnerability, mm-hmm. it's intimacy, and it's accountability. Okay. Those three things together... Yeah. are so crucial if we're going to have supernatural endurance. It's so crucial if we're going to learn what it means to live and love and lift up one another. Those are three L's in a row. You see how preachers can do that? that we good. just live, just love, and lift. Right? Hey, Wayne, can you write that You're down, like, please? Hey. So, but, but that's my point. The, the, 
So that action yep. right there encapsulates the three aspects of the grace life. It's vulnerability, intimacy, and accountability. Yeah, I mean, it feels like if you leave any of them out, you're not going to be able to accomplish. You, like for this non-vulnerability, this. there's just if, no way. If you leave any of them out, you know what you're doing? You're right. isolating. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like isolation keeps the game going. Like, think about all addictions. I mean, in a way, you can play out. You know what's really funny on Facebook? Uh, it's just <laughs> some friends, you know, so our, our board of directors for our company, we had two rules to be on the board of directors. One, you had to have Christ as your Savior. Two, you had to drink like a total fish. Right. And so <laughs> the, the, and all my friends did. You told me that. But then yeah. what I realized is that you end up being friends with a whole bunch of people. The only reason you're together is because you drink. Mm-hmm. It's the weirdest thing because now I, I see a lot of people that I used to be with and I'm like, what the heck? Like, why aren't they, why, well, you know, why? I, I feel this weird, weird vibe. And I'm like, wait a minute. They haven't necessarily <laughs> changed. It's me. Like, that, there's a reason we hung out together. It's nice to know if everybody's going to go party, then yeah. That, 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 that was a common bond. Well, let's be specific. Bond. Your faith is glorifying you. Yeah. Right. Basically. Yeah, exactly. And that to me— It's not that you have changed and they haven't. It's that the gift of faith, as we said earlier in the episode, is glorifying you. It's the greatest thing in the world. So mm-hmm. that's what I would call the gift of recovery for me. So, well, mm-hmm. that is our episode. Episode 26 is in the books of the Living the Grace Life podcast. If you've got a question, be sure to email us at livingthegracelifepodcast at gmail.com. Livingthegracelifepodcast at gmail.com. If we read your question on air, Pastor Joe will sign a book and we'll send it right out to you. Coming up next... We've got chapter nine, Just Call Me Coach. That's my favorite chapter. No. It is. It's my favorite chapter. You love being In the whole coach. book. You told me when I talked to my son at halftime of a basketball game recently that I was a coach's nightmare. <laughs> you are. You're right. <laughs> you are. Because <laughs> the coach was mad at me. Well, he had every right to be. He's like, why are you talking to your dad at halftime? What's exactly. he telling you? I'm like, what do you mean? He's my son. I was, I'm, I'm still his coach. So you're uh, saying that was a, I should have gotten a citation for that. I should that's out of bounds. You know, sometimes, Jim, maybe we should isolate ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> there are, it's, when I, yes, when you're a coach, that might be the way to do it. Well, that's our show for today for Pastor Joe, the coach. Wayne, you're not isolating yourself back there in the studio. Thanks for all your help, Wayne. As always, and thanks to everyone at Jump Dog Audio Productions, I'm Jim Hobbs. Just remember, whatever it is that you do each and every day, keep looking to Christ so he can keep you living the grace life.